This is The Irrelevant, a podcast about finding the deeper meaning of seemingly useless information. I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and today's episode is A Time Traveler Caused COVID. I've been thinking a lot about time travel recently. I mean, can you blame me? If 2020 were normal, the presidential election would be enough to have me wanting to travel forward in time 16 years. I mean, especially given the candidates. But this year, this 2020, with the whole COVID thing, has got me thinking a lot about traveling back in time. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could somehow go back in time and just prevent this all from happening? I mean, I wish I could just go find that patient zero and stop him or her from doing whatever it is that he or she did to unleash this thing upon us. I've seriously thought about that more than a couple of times, especially as I take my 10th million Microsoft Teams call. But then I always remember that time travel, aside from being unfeasible right now, is also fraught with dangers. I've known this since watching Back to the Future, of course, but I don't think anything illustrated it quite as well as Ray Bradbury's A Sound of Thunder has. If you don't remember high school English, A Sound of Thunder is a short story in which a man by the name of Eccles pays Time Safari Inc. $10,000 to go from 2055 back to the dinosaur era to shoot a T-Rex. Now, that's a noble endeavor, right? Anyway, when Eccles sees the T-Rex, he's terrified and he doesn't want to shoot it anymore. He chickens out and accidentally steps on a patch of mud he wasn't supposed to. When he gets back to 2055, something feels off and he notices the sign for Time Safari Inc., which he read earlier that day now said Time Safari Inc. and time is spelled with a Y. And he falls into a chair and fumbles with his muddy boot to find a dead butterfly stuck in the mud he stepped on. A little butterfly dying before it had to caused all of this change thousands of years later in 2055. And that story terrified me about everything that had to do with time travel. Turns out, maybe it was all just fear-mongering, because there's been a bit more research since Bradbury wrote that in 1952 or since Back to the Future came out. And maybe there's not much to fear, but also, COVID may have been caused by a time traveler. So it seems I'm not the only one thinking a lot about time travel recently. Actual smart people have been doing so too. And there's been two significant papers dealing with time travel published within the last month, and they both further reinforce the idea that maybe Bradbury and Back to the Future got it wrong. So the time travel that these two pieces of fantasy talk about deal with something called a grandfather paradox. This refers to the inconsistencies that emerge as a result of changing something, however tiny, in the past. The whole reason why grandfather is included in the name is because one of the most common descriptions of it is the following. Suppose a person travels to the past and somehow manages to kill their grandfather before the conception of their mom or dad. Well, then that person managed to prevent themselves from being born. So how'd they get there, meaning in the past, to begin with? 
I don't really like that example because it's weird. Uh, my favorite grandfather paradox example is the baby Hitler example, because it's especially because it's one of those morality debates that I used to have when I was a stupid college student. Anyway, suppose that you have a time machine and could go back in time to kill Adolf Hitler when he was just a baby and before he became, you know, the monster that he became. Well, in doing so, the time traveler would eliminate the reason for he or she having to travel in time to begin with, which means they would have never traveled back in time. So how did they get there in the past? If this is all making your head hurt, that's the point. It's a paradox, and it's one of the big questions of time travel. Or it was until quantum computers came around. So quantum computers sound super fancy, and they actually are, but how they differ to normal computers like your laptop or your smartphone is very simple. At the most basic level, the processors in all our computing devices can only add bits, and each bit can either be a one or a zero. That's it. A bit is just either zero or one, represented as an electrical signal. That's it. When you boil it down, every piece of software on every computer in the world is a series of zeros and ones. But those zeros and ones can only be either a zero or a one. A quantum computer's big difference is that that same bit that in our computers has to be either a zero or a one can be a zero and a one at the same time. So in quantum computers, they we don't have bits, we have qubits or quantum bits. And it's this small but powerful change that allows calculations to be much more complex and for scientists to be able to use quantum computing to work with exponentially larger data sets. Because you don't have to do it one at a time, you can do both states, right? And if you multiply that by a number of bits, so let's say it's a two-bit computer, right? Instead of being zero, zero, or zero, one, or one, zero, or one, one, it can be all four at the same time, which is powerful. Now, I know that's not enough information on quantum computers, and maybe I should do one whole episode on them at a future date. But the whole point is, scientists can use quantum computers to simulate traveling back in time and come back to the present. In fact, Bin Yan and Nikolai A. Sinsitisen, which are two physicists out of Los Alamos lab, did just that. Using an IBM Q quantum processor, they devised an experiment where a set of qubits are sent back in time and an external actor messes with them. Then they go back to the present and what should happen next? Well, according to the grandfather paradox, the qubits that were messed around with in the past should have something changed with them from their original state when we come back to the present, right? Turns out that didn't happen. In their paper entitled Recovery of Damaged Information and the Out-of-Time Ordered Correlators, Jan and Sinsitisen revealed that the qubits that were messed with in the past arrived back in the present unscathed. And in fact, most of the data in them could be recovered. The fact that it's tied to so many variables seems to be what actually saves the qubits from damage. The information in the present qubit was hidden in the quantum correlations in the past. And the web of connections isn't so easily disturbed by some Time Bandit's amateur efforts at a timeline vandalism. That is directly what they said. 
What's even weirder is if they simulate traveling farther back in time and messing with qubits that farther back in time, they were even less changed because there was a deeper web of connections the farther back in time you traveled. So the opposite of the butterfly effect. Now, again, this is only at the quantum level, but on September 21st, 2020, Germain Tobar and Dr. Fabio Costa out of the University of Queensland published another paper entitled Reversible Dynamics with Closed Time-Like Curves and Freedom of Choice, where they backed up the same claim as the Los Alamos paper, which confirms this notion of time healing itself. So what does this mean? It means we got what we got, <laughs> probably. Again, this is at the quantum level, but it's exciting, right? So what this means is that, for example, in the baby Hitler scenario, no matter what happens, time would heal itself and there would be a Hitler, which is bad, I know, but still, or for example, my fantasy of traveling back in time and preventing COVID-19 from happening, the Australian physicist directly addressed this scenario in an interview and they said the following, quote, you might try and stop patient zero from becoming infected, but in doing so, you would catch the virus and become patient zero or someone else would. End quote. Again, time seems to heal itself. A time traveler could go back and change stuff, but the changes wouldn't be significant enough that it would create a grandfather paradox, which is to say, even if a time traveler did go back and try and prevent COVID-19 from happening, he or she caused it anyway, because once it happens, it seems to happen, <laughs> period. So time is a dimension, right? But we can currently only move in one direction. It's like a train track, um, but it can only go one way. The best way I've heard time described is by author Chuck Klosterman in his book entitled Eating the Dinosaur. He says the following, quote, I believe that time is like a train with men hanging out in front of the engine and off the back of the caboose. The man in front is laying down new tracks the moment before the train touches them, and the man in the caboose is tearing up the rails the moment they are passed. There is no linear continuation." End quote. Now, I love this idea because it's kind of what I think about time, and it helps me sleep at night. And all of these paradoxes don't. <laughs> Chuck's book, Eating the Dinosaur, by the way, is called that because he argues that eating a dinosaur is the best reason for ever wanting to travel back in time to begin with. <laughs> and just like the only viable reason to go back in time is to eat a triceratops steak, which eh, maybe, I mean, better than just shooting a T-Rex, right? These new findings, however, also let me sleep at night because sure, there's possibly no way to go back in time and prevent COVID-19 from happening, but there's also no way to go back in time and make things worse. There's no way to go back in time and prevent myself from ever being born or making it so that someone else is president or stepping on a butterfly and all of a sudden we're spelling time with a Y. So the guys laying down and undoing the rail can just lay it back down, but I'm still on rails train won't suddenly be going off track. And that's reassuring to me. In that way, it seems like time travel seems to work more like how the Avengers said it would. <laughs> in the finale of the Avengers series, all 258 movies of them culminate in time travel. Uh, our heroes travel through time to prevent Thanos from ever getting the Infinity Stones, and instead what happens is that Thanos ends up getting them anyway, and he says, I am inevitable. 
our present seems to be inevitable. And that's okay. It actually makes me feel better. Because even if you could go back in the past and change whatever apparently, mathematically, you'd still end up right where you're at. So now we can stop dwelling in the past and instead focus on the future. Because that hasn't happened yet and is still fungible. For now at least. That's it for this week's episode of The Irrelevant. If you notice, we changed our name, just trying to be a little more succinct. If you liked it, uh, please share it with a friend. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And if you want to hear me talk about quantum computers a little more, let me know. Uh, we're on Twitter at IrrelevantPods. So thanks. And as always, OR4 did nothing wrong. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.